Hello and welcome back to Don't Depend on Daddy the Podcast. My name is Michaela. I am your host and I'm so excited for you to hear today's podcast episode. I brought on Caitlin Cooney and she is one of the most mature and knowledgeable young adults that I think I've ever spoken to in my entire life. I sat down with Caitlin and we talked about her career journey. So how she navigated a career change really early on, less than one year into working a corporate job. Now she works at Google, but she used to work at EY in consulting. She pivoted to working in marketing at Google. She's in a like development rotational type of program. And she just has so much insight on navigating your career, really like glowing up your life, your personal life, how to network, how to succeed in corporate America, all of the things. I loved my conversation with her so much and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get into it though, I want to do all of my usual housekeeping, plugging types of things, but we'll do this quickly so that this episode isn't 80 years long. First things first, if you enjoy this podcast, please go leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you are listening to this podcast regularly, if you've been enjoying the guests that I've been bringing on, it would mean the world to me if you could go leave me a review. If you want to leave a written review on Apple, that would be really, really wonderful because that really helps get the podcast out to more people. Beyond that, here's your reminder. If you have not pre-ordered Own Your Money, you should. I recently received the very first real copy of Own Your Money. So if you are watching this on YouTube, here you get a little sneak peek of what she looks like inside. I have spent so much time, blood, sweat, and tears, lots of tears on this book. I am so excited for you to read it. And it would really, really, really mean the world to me if you could pre-order it. All of the information is gonna be linked below. Long story short, when you pre-order the book, it has a much greater impact on the success of the book long-term because pre-orders and the amount of pre-orders that you get really influence the amount of orders that the retailers who sell the book will place ahead of the publication date. So if you are planning to buy the book regardless, which please, you really should, if you're planning to buy the book, it doesn't make a difference in terms of how much it costs or when you receive the book, if you pre-order it versus if you wait until the publication date to buy it. So why not pre-order it? Because your pre-order makes a far greater impact on the success of the book long-term. Also, when you pre-order the book, you can also put in your confirmation code and you'll get a free budget template that pairs very nicely with the book. I'm working on a couple other pre-order incentives as well. So if you are, interested in the book, which please, you should be, please, 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 please go pre-order it. All the information for that will be in the show notes. And yeah, I think you're going to love this book. And when I say, I think you are, I mean, I know you are. It really, really, really is like, in my opinion, humbly, the best personal finance book that's going to be on the market. The reason being a couple of reasons. First being that it goes in sequential order of like things that you should care about. So I talk about how to like take a financial audit, build a budget, set your financial goals, you know, work on your spending, implement financial routines, invest, negotiate your salary, start a side hustle. Like we talk about all of those things in the book, but in order of priority. So like if you consume my content and you're confused about where to start, this book really breaks it down for you in an easy to understand kind of way. Beyond that, there's no fluff in here. So something that I've learned and experienced with a hundred percent of personal finance books that I've read is a lot of times they're full of fluff and they're full of like 
information that may not be applicable to most people or just they continue to talk and talk and talk to fill a full length book. This book, it's not super long. It's 179 pages, which is about 100 pages shorter than most financial books. And it's just to the point, tactical strategies. A lot of the chapters are broken down with these little headings. And then there's like three or four steps for you to follow. And they're just really helpful tips. So go pre-order the book if you haven't already. And yeah, that's going to be my little spiel for this week. And let's get into the episode with Caitlin. Hello, and welcome back to Don't Depend on Daddy, the podcast. My name is Michaela. I am your host, and I am joined today by a very special guest, Caitlin Kumi. She works at Google. She also has a content creation side hustle and a personal brand. And we are going to talk all things, her career, content creation, and everything in between. So thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on to the show. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, like you mentioned before, I'm Caitlin Kumi. I'm the founder of Miss Empower, which is a woman empowerment brand for young women to help them feel more confident and empowered. I also have a nine to five at Google, where I'm an associate product marketing manager on the Chrome browser for Enterprise Right team currently. And then in addition to working at Google and being the founder of a woman empowerment brand, I'm also a content creator, primarily on platforms like LinkedIn and TikTok, where I share advice and tips for young women. So everything is tied together. Yes. <laughs> and we have so many things to talk about because working a nine to five and having a side hustle is, I think, very popular right now. A lot of people are looking for ways to either monetize their skills or really lean into their own creative side outside of their nine to five job. And you do a really good job of that. So we're going to talk about that. But first you work at Google and obviously that is a company that many, many people strive to work at, whether it be doing um, marketing similar to what you do or product management or tech or coding or whatever. I don't know a lot of the different paths you can take. I would imagine it's infinite. Um, but I have some questions for you about that. First and foremost being, is this your first job out of college? And if so, either way, what were the steps that you took to even get an interview at Google? Yeah, so Google's actually not my first job out of college. I worked as a consultant at UI prior to coming to Google. Okay. Okay. So that actually leads me to my next question for you, which is working at UI. Were you in consulting? Is that okay? Can you share a little bit about that experience? What did you like? What did you not like? What led you to leave? What was the sort of the catalyst there? Yeah, I think EY is such a great place to start your career. I'm so glad that I started my career in consulting. I think at a young age, you're really challenged to work in teams. You're challenged to really learn to navigate ambiguity, which is just a skill you're going to need across all industries and it will serve you well throughout your career. I was exposed to senior leaders when it came to like working on projects and proposals for clients. So that was a really exciting experience to get so early on in my career. Um, just being able to be in meetings with C-suite executives, like I, I just don't know where else you get that type of early exposure and experience. Um, which I think was great for helping me build that executive presence, as they like to call it, or stakeholder engagement, um, which has definitely served me well as I've transitioned into my role at Google. 
And in addition, consulting is just great for building a strong network as well. And just to get comfortable with those presentation skills, public speaking skills, data analysis, you just learn a wide array of skills that will really serve you well when you choose to leave consulting or if you plan to um, go the consulting route, um, go for a partner. So I think either way, you can't really go wrong. In terms of my decision to leave, it was definitely a really hard one. I definitely plan to stay longer, but I think sometimes you have moments in your career where it's a make or break and you have to take that leap of faith, even when you don't necessarily feel ready. And that was the case when I moved to Google so early on in my career. I decided to move to Google because I realized that long term I wanted to be in marketing and I knew that if I stayed in the path of consulting, I most likely have to go back to get, get my MBA in order to transition into marketing. And I was thinking about the cost and other things. And I, I just came to the conclusion that if I had the opportunity to go to Google through the Associate Product Marketing Manager program, it was worth um, that investment, that move to New York. Granted, I do miss not being able to, uh, I do miss being able to save money on rent. Um, that is something I, I definitely do miss. But for my career growth, it was definitely um, the right move for me. And um, we can definitely talk more in the interview about how I made that transition, how I started to plan, how I was able to secure the interview at Google, because I, I definitely get a lot of questions on that. <laughs> Totally. I am very, very curious about that whole decision-making process and everything. But just before we get into that, where did you go to school and how did you end up starting at EY? Did you intern there or did they recruit from your college? Because a lot of people try to break into consulting and it's kind of difficult, um, especially if you're out of school or maybe they don't recruit or you've spent a year or two in a different career and you know want to make that transition a little bit later. Yeah, that's a great question. So I went to UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina. I love my school. I went um, to Elon, so right down the way. Yeah, so close. There's so many amazing schools yeah. in North Carolina, and I'm really grateful for that opportunity because UNC has an amazing alumni network, and the education was really good there as well. Um, but I, I definitely think the network is something that served me well in my career. And I always tell um, young college students or people who have even graduated not to be afraid to lean on their uh, college network because you can just get so many amazing opportunities. Um, most of my jobs at competitive companies um, like EY, like Google, wouldn't have happened without the support of my UNC alumni network. And I always like to share that because it's not always so black and white. Um, um. And then in terms of getting recruited, when I was a junior or yeah, a junior in college, I did the internship program at EY during the pandemic. And it was a very um, unpredictable like process. I, I didn't even know what a consulting was when I was in college, to be honest. Um, I was just um, post-grad or post-grad. I was in college and I had discovered that, you know, law school wasn't for me anymore and was looking for different career paths. And then I was just on LinkedIn looking at different people's profiles, ended up um, finding this amazing woman who actually no longer works at EY as well, and just was interested in her career, interested in her skills, um, ended up just sharing a little bit of my, my skills. And she said, you know what, I think you'd make a really good consultant. And that was honestly just enough for me <laughs> to be interested in exploring the career path. And she was just really impressed with my like collegiate profile and decided to give me a referral. Again, I didn't even know what a referral was. So you would, yeah, I, there was a lot I didn't know during this time. 
Um, and that referral was really instrumental in helping me secure the interview and um, go on to get the internship. And then when I was there, I was really intentional about not only just doing good work, but really being sure to grow my network because I quickly realized that in order to get the return offer, different people would be in the room speaking on my behalf. And that was before I knew about like sponsors and mentors and all that stuff. Um, but I quickly knew like I needed to have make sure that I not only did good work, but made a positive impression on everyone from the people who were my peers, from the executive leaders, like the partners and managing directors. And that would give me the best shot of getting a return offer, which was my goal. I, I had no plans or no desire to recruit full-time. Uh, it was very stressful during my junior year. So I was like, I just want the full-time job. That's, that's my plan for now. Um, and it was a good internship. I got the full-time offer and then I, I came back and um, had that great experience, but things were just really taking off with my woman empowerment brand. And um, I really wanted to pursue a career in marketing. So definitely had to leave a little bit early, but the beauty of building relationships at amazing companies like EY is you still have those relationships when you leave. It's not like you stop working at the company and you don't talk to anyone anymore. I still stay in touch with all of my mentors and sponsors at EY. So definitely grateful for the opportunity to work there and start my career there. Totally. A couple of things that you had said, one being like not having any idea what consulting was in college before you even pursued that path. I think that is so normal and common. And I wish more people would talk about it because I feel like when you're in college and you're looking for an internship or a full-time offer after an internship, it's kind of like, well, what am I looking for? And I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I always say this, when you're an intern, your experience is so different than your experience as a salaried full-time employee. And so it's so hard to gauge what you're even going to like, which is why with consulting in particular, I think it's such a smart first job out of college. And even looking back to my own experience, and I graduated college like almost six years ago now, which is crazy. But I wish that I had started with consulting just because you get such a breadth of you know, different types of experiences, huge network opportunities, especially at big four companies. I feel like a lot of people that work there are there for the network as well. And they're more willing to put in the time to network. And I guess my whole point here is like not knowing what you want to do is normal. And I think landing in consulting is not the perfect, most ideal um, situation for everyone, but is a really great path if you don't know what you want to do. Um, I'm curious Pivoting into marketing, coming from consulting, how did you figure out that that was what you wanted to do? Were you on marketing projects or um, was that just something that you realized like through the grapevine that that was a career path you wanted to take? And also, how did you leverage your consulting experience to help you get into a marketing program? So two that is an that is an amazing question. So I, I love sharing my story because it's not a traditional career path. I wasn't working on marketing related consulting projects. Most of my projects were focused on HR as well as some business consulting projects. So very, very different. Like most of my focus was like 
program and project management, or it was just like DI cases, change management. So very night and day compared to marketing. But this is where I brought in the power of a personal brand. And it's something I talk a lot about on my TikTok, on my LinkedIn, building a personal brand, because you can have a job, you can have the skills and the position, but nobody can take away your personal brand. So through my woman empowerment brand and um, some of my content, I was really able to establish a strong foundation as a marketer to demonstrate my expertise. Often on my um, my LinkedIn or my TikTok, I would talk about some of the things I was doing with Miss Empower. I gained a lot of e-commerce experience in marketing. You have to do a lot of market research, competitive analysis. When I was on consulting projects, I really made sure that I worked on proposals because I knew those skills would be um, the equivalent of preparing um, sales marketing materials. That's something you often have to do as a marketer. So I was very strategic. I was very intentional about the projects I got on it on when I was a consultant because I wanted to be able to show that I had the transferable skills. And then with my women empowerment brand and my content, I really wanted to make sure that I was still gaining those fundamental um, marketing skills that I would be able to transfer into the program and demonstrate my expertise and really show that I could add value to Google. And then in addition to that, I think when you are trying to get into some of these competitive companies, it's really important to understand what their business priorities are. So oftentimes there will be like earnings calls. You can like read the reports like online. Um, those are really, really key in terms of understanding the business priorities. And then if you're a marketer, figure out like how you would market certain products, how you would approach certain business challenges. That way, when you're going into the interview, you can really feel like you're someone who already works at the company who understands their challenges. That was something I learned when I was in college, when um, I was actually like applying to um, business programs. I was applying to like banking programs. And I remember that I would go to these super days. I would be like listening to my gospel music, just like unbothered. And everyone would be reading like the industry reports. And I was like, wow, like maybe I should start doing that. So um, that, that's something I've always picked up. And I think it's made me a phenomenal interviewer. I think it's made me a phenomenal like employee because you're just able to tap into what's going on at a higher level and just add more value. Yeah, and that's such a good point with what you said earlier about using your personal brand and Miss Empower to learn skills and then leverage those skills when the relation or the experience you had in your job wasn't necessarily directly correlated to the jobs and roles that you wanted to have. I think a lot of people get confused or mixed up or don't realize that having a side hustle doesn't always have to be about money. It could be like a passion project that you work on where you're just developing skills and it actually does become a real life case study showing that you have these transferable skills or these hard skills that you can apply to your job. Because I always get questions about, well, what if I'm an administrative assistant or what if I work in software development and I want to do marketing, like I don't have any opportunity in my job to learn these transferable skills that would apply to the career I want, create opportunities to learn those transferable skills. And I think, you know, you as a person is such a good example of actually doing that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the program that you're in at Google, because you mentioned that it's, is it a development program or like a rotational program? Yeah, it's like, I would describe it as an early career program. The program is like always evolving as um, the business evolves, as the 
program evolved. So I think the best way to describe it right now would be an early career program. Usually people um, join the program. If they're like a college student, they'll do the internship program and then convert into full time. Or now I believe, um, don't quote me on this, I believe now it's if you have under three years of work experience, you're eligible. So some people might have agency backgrounds, some people might have worked at startups, some people might have been consultants, some people just might have worked at other companies. Everyone has diverse experiences. But I think if you want to join a competitive program like that, I think the best way to really do your research is to watch those videos. Like there's plenty of people in my program or people who have graduated my, graduated from my program who are on YouTube, on TikTok, who have posted um, content that explains, you know, how to prepare for the interviews. You can look up their LinkedIn's and see what their career trajectory looked like and kind of set yourself up for success. Another thing, kind of like I said before, is these programs are competitive. How do you stand out? If you can showcase that you really understand what the company's biggest challenges are, and then you're able to show on your resume that you have the experience that will be relevant, you know how to think um, in a way that's going to help them solve their challenges, that's really going to add value. Um, and I honestly, that doesn't just apply to Google. That applies to any company, um, any competitive rotational program. So that would be my advice to anyone who wants to join the program. Obviously, I'm... I'm big truth teller referrals and having connections at the company really do make a difference. I mean, that that's really for any company. They have so many applications that they get through thousands and thousands in such a short amount of time. Sometimes referrals really do make that difference. But there are people who do apply, um, people who have been in my program who have just applied through the portal, you know, referrals and have gotten in with a good resume. So I think a lot of things, especially at these competitive companies, even if you don't get it the first time, it really just comes down to sometimes luck, timing, and connections. But there are also people who have those connections, have those referrals, and still get don't get those opportunities. But I like to be as transparent as possible because I'm I'm not gonna say that like it's always like, hey, like it's everyone who has a perfect resume is guaranteed an interview. Sometimes it's just a matter of like luck and timing. I completely agree, but I think that highlights the value of networking and the network that you have. I've been reading um, The Defining Decade and one of the main concepts is identity capital and a huge pillar of identity capital, which just as a quick definition for anyone listening, identity capital is like the value or skills that you bring as a person, but also to the workplace. And your network, your personal and your professional network is one of the biggest determinants in your career trajectory. It's not the only one, obviously you can find you know, opportunities for yourself, but having someone who can advocate for you, somebody who can refer you, someone who can get you on the phone or set up a coffee or even just make the introduction can have such an unbelievable impact on your long-term career. Because sometimes all it takes is that one introduction where that person gets you the job or helps you get your foot in the door. You have to get the job. So I always say somebody can get you the interview. You get, you have to get the job yourself. So let's say they get you the interview or help you get on the phone, you get the job, and that's the job that opens up a whole umbrella of opportunities for you long term. So I think it is important in terms of transparency, like referrals do help. Do you have any tips for people who are looking to build a network or, you know, in the workplace where there are things that you did that 
you know, help to nurture relationships with people or just start and maintain those relationships. Yeah. um, And I also, too, want to hit on your point on building identity capital. I think the first thing you can do if you're just like completely lost, like you're still low-key in the process of understanding yourself would be to go online and find digital mentors. I think so many people put pressure on trying to find like mentors in person that they can meet with, which I definitely think is good. But sometimes like you can just start from like base one, like find people on TikTok, find people on LinkedIn that are experts in fields that you want to improve on. So like, for example, I create a lot of like career, personal finance, um, girl tips, glow up tips, like a lot of young women follow me to learn about like my journey and like best tips for being successful. I think you're a great example with like your personal finance tips. There are other content creators that do career or like um, share market research or share trending things in like the marketing industry. like follow those people to really gain the knowledge because I think there's this quote like you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time around kind of apply that principle as well to yourself if you're always consuming content or reading articles from thought leaders you are really going to start to talk like them adopt the mindset so I think that's the first thing you can do and it's just going to make you a more interesting person when you have conversations when you go into the workplace you're going to be able to just add value And I think that's something that can always set you apart. When it comes to entering the workplace, um, one of the best pieces of advice one of my mentors gave me is don't rush. Like, I think so many people come in, especially if they go to these top universities or they were like president of so-and-so sorority and then managing like the food bank and doing seven different things. Like the workplace is different. I really encourage people their first three months just to one, understand your job before you, before you sign up for like any committees use that time to, i what i what i like to say is to go on listening tours so meet with everybody on your team understand what they do what's important to them what are their goals for the year understand how you're going to be working with them because at the end of the day like so much of your experience in the workplace so much of how you work move up in the workplace as well is how you connect with people so i think just really making sure those relationships are solid And then also above everything, like networking is great, but you have to do good work. So get that foundation good. Once you've kind of figured things out a little bit, you understand your role a little bit better, you have connections with your immediate team and broader team, then you can start to identify opportunities for how you are going to expand your network. I always say though too, it's good to expand your network within your current company, but also make time to expand your network outside. Because sometimes if you're at a company too long or there are people have worked at the company too long, there's this like think like mindset. So I always think it's good to still get those diverse perspectives. When it comes to building relationships at the current company, you want to make sure that you want obviously have a relationship with your manager your direct team if you can and the company culture allows have a relationship with your skip level manager and maybe even like director or vp depending on how your company structure is there's different ways you can go about it one thing that is like my secret weapon i shouldn't say secret weapon that sounds a bit aggressive um but when you are meeting with like directors and vps The best thing you can do for yourself is have a really good relationship with like their at assistant, executive assistant. So many people I feel like are so rude to executive assistants and, you know, they just don't treat them with that care, that grace, that niceness. And I think you should just do this just to be a good person, but especially when building relationships, because those are the people that really understand how the company works, how people have, um, 
like what the relationship history looks like they can really give you the guide to like navigating like those relationships and they will be the reason why you get on the calendar or not so please like if you learn nothing from this interview please treat the executive assistants the administrative assistants with respect when it comes to building that network um not only when you're on the email like i even like to like separate and say like hi i hope you're doing to them and then send the separate message to the person like I just, I think that's so important. I feel like manners is something that I feel like has just kind of got away in recent times. So I really like to hone in on that one. Um, And then also if you're a part of like employee resource groups or different events, um, those are really, really good to attend because it's just really hard sometimes to build relationships. Like you can do the one-on-one chats, but I feel like the insider tips, the knowledge really comes from those events. I know I'm not, like the most social person and people will have mixed feelings about this one where they're like you know I don't like going to happy hours I don't like going to the events on the work trip like I just I want to go to my bed um I definitely get that because that is me sometimes but I do think it's important just to sometimes stay a little bit especially if you're early on in your career um if you don't care about like advancing or anything like that it is I like to say it's not by force. You can just go home, but know that sometimes those little moments where you figure out like, you know, what does your boss love? Like these are her, your boss really loves dark chocolate. Maybe like that's what you get her for Christmas. Or you learn um, little things that like annoy her, or, like the way in which she does work or um, new things that might be happening in the company in the coming months. Like that's where you pick up all that like information. Um, so I would say like also go to like some of those events as well. And it's just a good way to like put yourself out there. Um, I think especially if you're like a woman or a woman of color um, or just like a person in general, depending on what your identities are. Sometimes you do have certain like biases and prejudice against you. So um, especially going to those events and like just making yourself more personable is just really, really important because like at the end of the day, like like it or love it, like we are in corporate America and there's so much around like identity politics and all of that stuff. Again, if you just don't want to do it, it's not by force. You can just ignore what I'm saying. But if you do plan to grow in corporate America, like you need to know these things. Um, and then in terms of like outside of work, there's like networking events. I like to do like LinkedIn 15 minute coffee chats just to like build my network as well. And I always say the stronger brand you have on LinkedIn, if you have like a good profile, the easier it is just to connect with people. Um, and then also, I think if you want to build relationships with people, don't be transactional. Like I like to say, go in like being a giver. Like, are you going to be willing to like share information, connect them to somebody else? Just, just be a supporter, like share their work, share what they're doing without expecting anything back. I honestly think that's been the biggest secret to my career. Um, I love genuinely like supporting women, genuinely supporting young professionals, more experienced professionals that I really admire. Um, And I'm just a big believer in good karma I feel like it always comes back around sometimes there will be people that like take advantage of you or your kindness but that's where spirit of discernment comes in if you feel like someone is using you 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 don't have to continue to pour into that relationship so those would be like my best tips for building a network at work and outside of work so many amazing tips like this episode is going to be incredible I'm so excited for everybody to hear it a couple of main points that you mentioned First being the executive assistant point, I could not agree more with you. I remember in my first few years working, 
I was feeling really lost. Like, I don't know what I like. I kind of hate what I'm doing right now. And I don't like my immediate team. I really didn't like my manager. Like there were so many things that I didn't like. And I remember I built, and I'm still in touch with her today, just like a personal relationship with the executive assistant that was on my floor. She wasn't even really related to my job pillar, like really anything that I was doing, but having her in my corner, she got me into meetings that maybe I shouldn't have been included on. She let me know about things going on in the office that I otherwise wouldn't have known. And just having the support and having somebody who is so involved in not necessarily the politics, but like they're hearing conversations that most people aren't hearing. They're getting line of sight into things before they're widely dispersed. Having somebody like that in your corner can help so much. And then your other point about going to the networking events when you really don't want to go is so important. I think even just setting a goal, like maybe once a month going, going to the happy hour, it doesn't have to be every week, but once a month, once every other week and building a personal relationship with the people you work with, because people like people. And sometimes during the workday, you don't have a chance to talk about people's stuff. You're talking about work stuff or you're in meetings or maybe, you know, you're having issues with a colleague or something and you're not able to relate to them. When you have a personal relationship with someone and you know that your manager likes dark chocolate or every day before work, she gets up to go on a run, you can relate to them in different ways. And they're way more likely to stick their neck out for you or go to bat for you or remember to include you in something if they like you as a person instead of just as a colleague. And that is such a powerful networking tool. And also just like a really good thing to have in your skill set. Because I recently, I host a Q&A um, on my podcast every month, but also on my Instagram stories. And somebody submitted the other day, like such a good question. And it was, what tips do you have to navigate like the necessary evil that is corporate America? And I think the number one tip is knowing how to play the game. And your whole comment around, you may not like it, but it is corporate America. And if you want to advance, you have to understand how it works is so valuable. Like sometimes in life, we have to do things we don't like or that we don't agree with in order to put ourselves in a position to get more opportunity. And I think young people, especially the Gen Zs and even people really in college who are just getting launched into the workplace, you haven't learned that yet. And you learn through experience. I think you learn that through negative experience, if I'm being honest. Once you learn that, the way you approach your career and the decisions you make in your career and how you navigate certain career situations is dictated by playing the game, which I don't love. Like, I don't, I personally don't love that you have to play the game. And I think that's why I didn't have the most successful career in corporate and why. I hope that I don't ever go back to corporate is because I'm so bad at playing the game. Like I just can't, I can't put the smile on and do it. It's not my personality. I have authority issues. Like and I'm self-aware about it, but it is something <laughs> you have to learn how to do. And if you don't learn how to do it, it, it can make things a lot harder for you or just a little bit less pleasant as you go through that experience. So all of those tips were amazing. I want to pivot to your content um, creation and your personal brand in a moment, but I have one more question for you. And that is for your experience specifically at 
Google. How have you enjoyed working at Google as a whole? And is it, as somebody who works there, what it looks like from the outside? Because Google is like, everybody wants to go for the free food and the cool office and just being like able to say that they work at Google. Do you feel like you're getting the experience that is what is assumed, I guess, from working at Google as an outsider? Yeah, I think the best thing you can do when you go into these like companies is to go in with no expectations. I just honestly feel like in life expectations lead to disappointment. So I think it's actually just better to set like standards or um, like goals or things you want to get out of the experience rather than set expectations. Because at the end of the day, like when you work into in corporate America, there's always changes in the economy, different things that are happening that can affect your overall experience. And I think just starting my career in consulting, I've just been someone who's like super adaptable. But for me, when I made the move to Google, it wasn't actually because of the free food or anything like, don't get me wrong, those, those perks are so amazing. And they just definitely add value to my life. Um, but there are other companies that also have like food or like really good like wellness benefits and stuff like Google's not the only company that has amazing benefits um, but I really chose Google because again I wanted to pivot into marketing um, I have different different um, financial goals that I really wanted to hit so I knew that working at Google would really help put me in a good position at such a young age to accelerate some of my financial goals um, I knew being able to move to a city like New York would help me expand my network would be really good for me as I actively pursued content creation building my network for my women empowerment brand working at Google alone, there are people who have worked at amazing companies before Google. Um, they have been startup advisors. We have entrepreneurship programs. We have so much internal career development. Like it's, it's amazing. They'll bring in experts and speakers. So I think regardless whether you work at Google or you want to work at Google or even another company, like those are the factors you should really look for. Like I really make my career decisions based on my lifestyle um, skills and areas they want to grow in. Finances are definitely a big consideration. Um, so those were really the things that I, I looked at. And again, like I said, um, for those core things, I definitely feel like Google's like meeting um, those hopes and goals. And I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity. But I think, like I said, for everyone, I would just encourage you, like if you're looking at these companies and different things, not to get so caught up in like having expectation or idea because I think it's just personally really dangerous when you shape your whole identity based on the company you work for. Like so many different things can happen. Um, so I just, I, I've never thought it's a super great idea to shape your identity based on where you work. Like I've worked at EY, I've worked at Google, but like that's not the only thing that's amazing about me and my personality. Um, so I just encourage you, if you're thinking about working at one of these amazing companies, or um, do you think that, you know, once you finally get that job there, like you'll make it, your life is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. You'll be all this amazing person that everyone will want to talk to or whatever that the case is or whatever, if it's like fueling your ego, like maybe step away from that and really think about some of the other um, value adds of working for the company. Yeah, that's such a good answer because... I feel like even myself in my own experience right out of school, like I thought if I got a job at a company that people knew and they heard that I was working at this type of company, like they would think I'm really smart or they would think that I would be super successful. And all I did through that experience was learn that 
it literally doesn't matter what company you work at if you're not happy in what you're doing every day because you spend so much time working. And yes, there are companies that have amazing benefits. And I think Google is probably close to the top, if not at the top of that list. But at the same time, what matters more is that you enjoy your life because if you don't enjoy your job, it's hard to enjoy your life because you spend so much time at work. Not that they're synonymous, but when you think about what you're doing most of the week, you know, you're at work and you're with the people that you work with. And so I think it's important to evaluate the whole opportunity instead of just the name of the company. So that was a really good answer. Um, Okay. Pivoting into your side hustles. Can you talk a little bit about Miss Empower, what that is and what, how you even started it? Yeah. So Miss Empower is a woman empowerment brand that's dedicated to helping young women feel more confident and empowered through personal and professional development. I really started the brand to essentially be that like support system, that big sister to help you transition into young adulthood. I'm a firstborn, so everything was very much trial and error. Um, I was definitely someone who struggled with body insecurities when I was younger. I struggled feeling confident in the workplace. I struggled setting boundaries. Just if there was a struggle, I, I probably <laughs> probably experienced it. So I just wanted to create a brand that let young women know that they're not alone and really provided them the support and resources. And I think I was definitely a part of that like girl boss era where you just, you know, work hard, you put bullet points in your emails, you take away exclamation points. But I just was like, I want a brand that shows both the personal and professional development side because you can teach people how to write emails, you can teach people how to interview, but if the personal side isn't taken care of, like the mental health isn't in order, the confidence isn't in order, you can't really thrive professionally. So I really love that um, through my brand, I'm able to do both. And I just think it's really important for young women to see that, see the highs and lows of someone who is trying to strive to be ambitious, trying to maintain their mental health, um, trying to exercise, trying to learn like their finances while navigating their career. I just felt like it was really hard to find a really good all-in-one resource. So I really wanted to do that with my brand. And it's just been amazing over the past two, three years to be able to see the woman that it's impacted from our blog posts through our social media posts, some of our virtual events, um, our partnership events for like internships and job programs, just to see the impact the brand is having on so many young women. And I'm just so excited, especially as we invest more in things like affiliate marketing, hopefully digital products. Um, programs and events that will just be able to impact more women um, for the years to come. So it's just been really amazing. Yeah. I think it's such a cool like concept and really something that doesn't exist because I think something that I've noticed is we really do separate our personal lives and our professional lives. And I think, you know, to a healthy degree, that's really important, but they are so deeply intertwined and in how you feel about yourself does show up in how you show up professionally. And I think being able to present yourself in a really confident way, feeling good about who you are, feeling good about how you show up and how you look and how you feel at work can help you progress your career, obviously, because you're showing up as a better version of yourself. I always say that from a financial perspective, like if you feel stressed about your finances, 
Money permeates everything. So you are going to feel stressed in every other area of your life until you figure that out. It will always be an underlying issue. And same goes for your professional life. Like I, again, always thinking back to my own experience. Like I think back to in my early twenties when I was not super confident. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was questioning every decision I made. Am I moving to the right apartment? Am I making the right friends? You know what my friend looks like she's doing so much more. It does impact absolutely how you appear at work, how you present yourself in meetings, your ability to speak publicly or nurture relationships or feel confident sending the message asking to get coffee and networking. It all goes so hand in hand. Um, speaking of which, in terms of having a personal brand and having a nine to five, being confident in doing both of those things, showing up as your best version at work and also in your side hustles, how do you manage your time? How do you balance those two things? Because you also make content. So I'm going to loop that in too. How do you manage all three of those ventures and stay sane and build a network? Oh yeah. Well, when you put it that way, I'm like, am I, am I really okay? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I have a few tips and I, I love to be transparent about how I'm able to balance everything on my TikTok and LinkedIn because growing up, I just felt like people were always doing these things and they weren't telling us how they got it done. So when it comes to just like maintaining my health and like wellness, like I'm really intentional about the decisions. I don't enjoy working out, but I know working out is really good for like my mental health. It's good just for me means being active. So I make sure that, you know, when I was selected, or I made sure that when I was selecting my apartment, there was a gym in my building. Like there's, there's, it's going to be hard for me to not go to the gym as it's right there. Um, Also, I'm not a morning person. (laughs) I'm not like props to those people who wake up at like 5am every day. I've tried and I can't. But what I do is maybe like one or two days a week, I will wake up at that 5am, not because I want to, just because I am able to be really productive in the morning, I am able to get in those gym days two to three days a week when I can. And then I'm also able just to get a lot of work done and have energy before I go into like my nine to five. So I like to share that because sometimes I feel like we want to do things or we're really ambitious, but then we don't want to put in the like habits and routines. And when I tell you, I do not enjoy waking up at five. Like I don't, I really don't. But you know what I enjoy? Getting my time back in the evenings, having time to go out with my friends and have everything like in order. Um, When it comes to just like managing the stress of doing so many different things, um, definitely when I was at my best, I still need to find a new therapist. But um, having like therapy sessions either every week or like every two weeks sometimes like every month or just whatever cadence works best um i fortunately have a company where um i have like a health savings plan um it's great to like have access to that and then like good insurance i know not everyone has that but like if you do have access definitely using that just because i think if your mind is right it's just so easier it's so much easier to be better in other areas of your life Um, also as I've made more money, I don't recommend you necessarily do this if you don't have enough money for your basic necessities, but getting a professional cleaner, um, I feel like as an adult, there's just an endless to-do list of so many different things from dry cleaning or, or not dry cleaning, like laundry to just doing the deep cleanings of your apartment. Um, some days on my own, like today, I just did a deep cleaning because I wanted a super clean space. But most of the time, I, I just don't have the time. I can tidy and maintain, but that deep cleaning, 
I just don't have the time. So I outsource it. Um, and that's really how I maintain the balance because at the end of the day, like if I want to grow as a content creator to be able to work with more brands, grow my audience, I need that time to be able to make the content. If I have to go to these like networking events, like I might be coming home late. Um, when I am good, I haven't been the best at it, but I will meal prep. And sometimes if I'm not able to meal prep, I sacrifice that, you know, I might have to get like delivery food. Honestly, don't recommend the delivery food because it can get quite costly and it's not the best if you are trying to budget. But with everything, I'm very honest with myself of the fact that, you know, something's got to give. Like if I'm going to be mentally well, if I'm going to achieve things in certain areas, I'm going to have to make certain sacrifices or investments. So I'm telling myself, you know what, hey, if you haven't been cooking lately and you're getting DoorDash, like it doesn't make you a failure, but you are going to make sure that you're going to that gym taking care of your health this month. You're going to make sure that you're really pumping out the content because you need to make sure that you're in a good position to secure brand deals as you're spending all this money on DoorDash. Um, and I tell people that because I think so many people put pressure on themselves to be perfect or have everything figured out. But what I like to do is just prioritize. Like there will be months where I do three things really well and that's okay. And then the next three months, like I shift priorities and balance. So with for content, it's an algorithm. There are some months where I'm really pushing hard, I'm growing. Some months I'm taking a step back. I'm still posting, but I'm not, you know, burning myself out. I might be focused on my health, um, doing stuff with like Miss Empower, nurturing some of my networking relationships. And I would say just like obviously set big goals, but don't set goals where you are sacrificing your mental health and like you're not doing well because what's gonna happen is you might reach those goals or you might not. And you're just like not going to be happy. And for me, as I work towards reaching my goals, I'm okay with or I'm learning to be okay with enjoying the journey um, while still being ambitious, which is something that's really hard to do. But I think sometimes people can stress themselves out to the point where like they are losing hair, <laughs> losing sleep just because um, they haven't given learned to give, give themselves grace. Like Giving yourself grace doesn't mean you're making excuses, but it is really important to take care of yourself as you go along this journey, especially if you are an ambitious person. Yeah, I love that answer because it feels so achievable and realistic. I think and this is something that I struggle with, too, is biting off more than I can chew or thinking that I can do everything in a day and not necessarily being realistic about, okay, this is how much time that I actually have. This is how much time I'm actually going to be able to focus and be productive. And realistically, I have X, Y, and Z that I need to do around my apartment or errands I need to run or something I need to drop off. I also want to go on a walk and maybe fit in a little bit of Pilates. Like if I want to do all of these things, then I need to be clear on how much I can actually accomplish because then you finish the day and you're like, well, I didn't get done what I wanted to get done. And that is where you get into that negative spiral loop of, well, what's the point? You know, I can't, I don't have the time to do this. And I liked your answer too about choosing apartments or putting yourself in the environment where you're setting yourself up for success. So choosing an apartment that has a gym, because you know yourself well enough, if the gym's not in your apartment, you're not going to go or knowing that you're not a morning person. So not setting the expectation that every single day you're going to have a 5am morning routine. I'm the same way where I, I actually am a morning person and I like to get up, you know, around six, six thirty because that's when my brain is the most productive. So if I want to have any semblance of a morning routine and start working at a normal time, I got to get up. But 
what I'm not is a night person and I cannot do deep productive work after two or three o'clock. Like if I have writing to do ideation to do content creation to do anything that's not like editing, answering emails or engaging or just doing like higher level administration stuff. I got to do that later in the day. And my productive work has to be in the morning and early afternoon, because after that, my brain just works differently. And so it took me a long time to learn that that's how I operate. But once I did, now it's like, okay, I can build my structure and prioritize based off of how I work best. And what I like about what you said is, is finding that balance and finding what works for you. Because sure, maybe I'm a morning person, but if you work better in the evening, then build your day around that productive time. Don't force yourself to be the morning person if that's not going to work for you. Because then it has that ripple effect that like if you're not feeling like your best self, it's not going to help you show up as the best person at work. You're not going to be able to do your side hustle the way you want. You're not going to get where you want to go if you're forcing yourself to do something against your natural abilities or like the way you naturally function. So I think that's such a valuable lesson to be taught and also to be learned. You learn through experience and through doing. Um, so we have talked about so many amazing things and I feel like I could talk to you forever about this kind of stuff. So you'll have to come <laughs> back on, but I want to ask you one final question and it is of, or I guess over the last couple of years, you know, having a couple of different jobs, working at these big companies, starting a successful brand, posting on social media, becoming a content creator, working with brands, like you've done so many things, I feel like in such a short period of time. Two questions, actually. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned, um, whether it be personal or professional? And what advice would you have for someone who looks to you as their role model of like, okay, she can do it all. So can I, but I don't know how to get started. What would you say to that person? That is, that is a great question. Don't take your say, off guard on that. <laughs> I would say, I would say first, um, what my mom always says, figure out what your North star is. So mm -hmm. for some people it's maybe I want to make a million dollars or I want to work at this company or whatever the case is like it looks different for everyone so what that like north star looks like um for me it might be more of like a lifestyle goal and then kind of connect the dots like what are the certain steps you need to take um along the way in order to get there and then start developing a plan I'm someone where if I, or I'm someone that if I don't have a plan or like I don't have a vision it's very hard for me to st take that next step so I would say spend time doing that. Um, additionally, um, one of the things I think that has been instrumental in my success over the past year, because a lot of my accelerated career growth, my growth as content creator, my growth as um, my growth for my brand has definitely been the result of being in therapy um, and working on myself and learning how to set boundaries. I was someone who grew up in a culture where boundaries really weren't a thing. Like saying no is so hard for me. Like someone could invite me somewhere and before I know it, my schedule is just full. Like I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. So like going to these events, like it just, it takes my energy. Like I love it and I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm someone who recharges by myself. So sometimes I will look at my schedule and even if I really want to go to something or if it's just not, it's not realistic for what's going on. I've just learned to say no. And having that energy to myself is what allows me 
to continue to pour back into my content, to be able to show up as a good daughter, as a good friend, if I'm in a relationship, a good partner. Um, so I, I really am intentional about saying no. And um, especially as you get more successful, I'm sure you know this, Michaela, there will be so many people who might want you in media features or might want you to talk on a panel or brand deals or different opportunities. But I think once you kind of have that North Star and you have that understanding of yourself, like just learning how to say no um, when it matters, I think is really going to be instrumental in your success. Because I think when you don't learn how to say no, you don't learn how to set boundaries. That's where you really can accidentally enter the path of burnout. And um, once you're burned out, like it is so hard <laughs> getting back. And it's recovering. a long process to recover. From I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely say learning how to set boundaries yeah. and um, figuring out what my north star is has been really instrumental. And that would be the advice I would give any young person, especially yeah. any young woman who is trying to achieve these ambitious goals she has set for herself. I love that. I always say boundaries set you free. And learning how to say no is an art, but once you learn how to do it and you start doing it, it becomes so much easier and it almost becomes harder to say yes, because it's like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, it's easier to say no to the things that you don't want to do. But, and that applies, I think, to your career. It applies to your relationships, social or romantic, and it applies to your finances as well around what am I willing to spend money on? Who am I willing to spend my time with? Time is your most valuable resource. What career opportunities am I willing to invest in time and energy? So boundaries set you free and saying no is an art. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. This episode was amazing. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Can you tell the audience where they can find you and um, you know how maybe how could they get involved with Miss Empowered? Yeah. So in terms of finding me, you can find me at Caitlin Kumi on pretty much all social media platforms. My main ones are TikTok, LinkedIn, and a little bit of Instagram. Um, show me some love on Instagram because I think that, that might be my Tell lowest platform. Everything's linked in the show notes. I, 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 I love it all, especially TikTok and LinkedIn, especially if you have your own questions for me. I love making TikTok videos and um, LinkedIn posts to address some of your common concerns. So definitely check me out on there. In terms of getting engaged with Miss Empower, the best thing to do would be to follow Miss Empower on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn. That's where you're going to learn about all of our amazing events, opportunities, read our latest blog post, and really just learn what it takes to level up in life. And then if you don't want to do any of that, um, the one thing you definitely should do is join our email list. That's where we share our monthly newsletter with resources, internship, job opportunities, level up tips. So definitely would encourage you to join the Miss Empower community. Um, and thank you again, Michaela, for having me. This is such a great program, such a great podcast, and you are doing amazing work and providing so many, so much value to people. So thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on. This was amazing.